When I was in Joburg, I was now presenting, I got a phone call from a tall yellow guy with big lips. Um, <laughs> you know him as Fat Joe. Mm. And Joe was like, Claire, I've got this radio show on YFM. And YFM, if you remember, it was groundbreaking then. It was 99, 2000. Yeah. And he had a show and he wanted me to do a feature on that show. Mm. And it was the entertainment slot. So he literally only wanted me to be the person that came in, did the entertainment news and came out. Mm. And, and, and so that's what I did. And so I joined YFM like that. Um, and that was the beginning of my radio career. So, for the since 1999, so I've been mm. in radio for about 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, radio, TV, uh, obviously both being in broadcasting. Did you find moving across the two that the skill sets are the same, or did you find that you had to um, kind of be more of uh, another character on TV and more of another character in radio. What would you say it takes to to excel in, in, in either? Okay, so I think it's so much easier to do TV. TV is a forced environment. It is a fake staged environment. You have time to rehearse it and to and people's attention and senses are looking, so they want to see what you look like, and they are listening, right? And then they're engaging. The, the, so the senses are kind of all stimulated. I think TV is easier. Mm. Um, you've got more support on TV. You've got a director there. You've got somebody on set. You've got somebody who's going to make you look good. And so there's kind of a team that's going to mm. elevate you. So by the time somebody sees you on TV, so much has happened that's behind happened, the yeah. scenes for that moment, right? Mm. And you are just like usually like the last, you, the last link in the chain. Somebody wrote the script, somebody put the wardrobe together, somebody did, somebody did, and mm. then you must just say the words. Just open your mouth, stand mm. there, and <laughs> say the words. Whereas radio, it takes everything in you to be good at radio. It doesn't matter what position you're in. And I realized that the reason why I fell in love with radio more than TV was because radio requires you to be authentic. Mm. There's no facade like in TV. Um, the director and the producer, yes, you might have a content producer or you might have somebody to help you when you're on air, but when that mic goes on, listen, it, you, things are rocking. It must rock. It's, on. Yeah, it's yeah. on. And people can see through you if you are staged, rehearsed, not mm. authentic, not having a good time, not in a happy space. Yeah. And so um, there are different skill sets, I think, that require any position, you know, mm. like for, if I had to ask people, if people, when people ask me about being a radio presenter, yeah. I'm like, you must have some level of ego, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Mustn't your presenters, yeah, yeah. because they must feel like they've got something <laughs> to say, they must feel like they're important, you some know. vanity. Right, yeah. they must have some vanity, yeah. and so when your presenters have vanity, I'm like, that's good, yeah. because you must feel yeah, yeah, yeah. something. <laughs> um, and um, they must, it's got nothing to do with a voice anymore. Remember back in the day, people used to say, if you sound like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you you sound the radio like, like, <laughs> Then you, you're rocking. That doesn't voice. matter, yeah. you know. Your personality is what matters when yeah. you're a presenter. I think if you are loving life, you're curious, you, you love to have a good time, you want to inform and educate, um, mm. those are some of the qualities I think make a good pre presenter. What do you think makes a good presenter? So, so you know that about me. Um, we don't have enough time, so let me just... Get into, you. Let me just get under your habit. Yeah. So you talk about presenter, um, and you were in front of the mic, and then you went behind the scenes. So right. 
Take us through shortly just that journey of deciding that I don't want to be the steering anymore. I want to now create the steering. So how did that uh, migration come about? So I was at Metro FM. So I left YFM. I was at YFM. And then I realized, I was, remember, I was just the, the entertainment girl yeah. with Fat Joe. I realized I didn't want to be a sidekick for the rest of my life. So I was like, I needed to break up with that situation, mm. even though it was working for me. And I went to Metro FM. I was at Metro for four or five years, and I kind of did every little piece job that I mm. did at Metro. So I was running desk when there was yeah, OB. Yeah. I was <laughs> editing sound, making coffee, yeah. recording with my marans, going to events. Yeah. There were every single job that was going at Metro, I was doing. Mm. Um, and after five years, when they renewed my contract at contract negotiations, yeah, come April. Um, I didn't get a show. Mm. And I thought that was a huge knock to my ego because I really thought that if you're successful in radio, you have your own radio show, yeah. right? That was um, the idea. Yeah. That was the idea, and that didn't happen for me. And so I decided that maybe I needed to change my... Maybe radio wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I realized at that point, maybe radio isn't for me. I've been in it now for like six years. Mm. It's not rocking. I don't have a show. I'm a failure at this. Mm. Um, I need to maybe find a new way. And so what I decided was um, I needed to find what that was. Left my job at Metro, didn't have another job. KG Moiketsi calls me and she says, Claire, would you be willing to produce? I'm like, produce? Me? Me? I'm so fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, wanna, yeah. I don't want to produce. I'm a steri, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so I, I had no money, right? Mm, so I was like, mm. okay, I'll do it in the meantime. <laughs> while yeah, I figure while out, my things come While in. my things come together. Yeah. And so that's how I got into producing. And I'll tell you now, like, I fell in love with creating content. content molding content, shaping it. You feel like a little god, don't you? Right! When you're a content producer. Yeah, yeah. Because you, people don't see you, mm. but, but they, they get, see your work. But they're affected by I the mean, work I mean, nobody sees God, right? Well, That's here I am. That's the same thing. That's yeah. the same thing. But uh, it's exactly yeah, that, yeah. you know. And people, I would hear people, I remember I was still taking a taxi. People would be talking about KG's show in the taxi that they loved. Yeah, talk And about I'm sitting there thinking, mm, <laughs> That's if only me. they knew. Um, <laughs> and I realized that um, creating content was my strength. Mm. I enjoyed it. I felt good in it. I was excelling at it. I was getting better mm, at it. Mm. And I realized that to be successful in radio did not mean I needed to be on the mic. It was the first time that I realized that you could be successful in radio by creating content. And my personality suited content yeah, production. More than... More than being on air. You, you speak about... I want to just touch on something you mentioned now when you say KG called you and there was no money and you were like, you know what, in the meanwhile, let me do this. Talk to us now about, you know, when somebody changes jobs, you move from Metro, you go to uh, 2000 or you go to KFM, people just see you moving job to job. And there could be behind that struggles of a time where you're not sure you're going to get a job. There's times where you leave a job because you've got another offer. There's times where you leave a job because you don't want to be here anymore. What, how, how were those dark days where you thought, is somebody going to call me? Because mm. uh, there comes that period where you think, I mean, I work at Metro, my CV says Metro, surely anybody will take me. No. So then you leave a job and then no one calls. Right. So how, are, how do you find the light in those um, dark moments of radio? Do you know, a lot of people just see them 
they just see that you're on somewhere or you're employed. They never actually, when you, when you don't hear of somebody, it's because nobody's calling them and they're not earning money and yeah. life is rough. Mm. Um, and so I had a lot of those times in between my move from it another does. radio station to, an, uh, to a different radio station. So it was never some seamless, mm. easy glide from one place to another. So don't expect that for your own life or your own journey. Mm. Um, and what I've been grateful for is that I've always worked at radio stations where I was the target market at that time. Mm. So when I was 20, 21, I was at Y. Mm. And then in my 20s, I was at Metro. Uh, and out of my uh, 20s, I was going into Kaya. But in between, those dark times made me question whether I should even be choosing this as a career path. Yeah. Um, because it's difficult, um, especially in the time that we were producing content things were starting to change. Audience was starting to change. Am I still relevant? Mm. Do they want cool kids? Must I be on TV? <laughs> I'm not on TV. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> so um, it really is tough. But I realized that because um, I knew that my intention was good, a lot of people get into radio for the wrong reasons. Mm. A lot of people get into radio thinking that they're going to be famous and this is, this is how they're going to break out into the world. Yeah. Wrong, 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 wrong. They're right? listening. They're listening. They're I'm agreeing right. with you. No, you, you, you've, you've produced for some of them. I, I wanna, I wanna. Speaking of producing for people, um, you've worked with some of the the big names on, on on radio as a producer. How important and how do you navigate having that hand where you can control somebody who you once looked at and said, "Oh wow, there's Pedro. Oh wow, there's Keiji." How do you find your personality and your boss within you when you're producing uh, big names on radio so so i didn't have a gig for a while and i got a call from greg and greg said fence had left kaya <laughs> and they were looking for a replacement for him and then they found me uh, and that's how we Congrats. are connected yeah and, i gave a job and so they had to downgrade <laughs> to me they had to downgrade to me and so i arrived at kaya having to produce for Tibos. Mm. Now you had been producing for Tibos and the show was the number one show mm. at the station. So I was completely thinking this guy's never going to listen to me. Mm. Um, and he didn't for a while <laughs> um, because he missed this guy. He was like, Fence does like this. Fence, Fence, Fence. Mm. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I realized it was a good first year with Tibos because I realized that I needed to forget myself. Mm. I needed to learn who my, pre my presenter was. Mm. What did he like? What were his interests? What, what elevates him? How can I support him? What are the things that make him come alive? So it's not just about a cool topic, right? Because mm. we can all think of a cool topic. But if, you're if you can't motivate and if you can't inject energy into your presenter and if you can't make them feel good about themselves when the mic goes on it everything falls flat yeah, yeah. no matter how great the topic the is, topic is yeah, yeah. and so what i learned and that is the tough journey i learned with tibos is that i needed to kind of forget myself and figure out how do i elevate him yeah. my role is to make him shine yeah that was that's my role that's all your role is your mm. producer so if you are a producer that wants to be on air and is also trying for fighting for mic space mm. you you're gonna struggle you're going to struggle mm. and i know some of producers do that mm. your job is to sit back and kind of look at, have a helicopter view of the situation yeah have understand a, the listener and the present and how 
how do you make them look good and Thank also you. realize that your job is to make the show win yeah yeah you know what i mean and that win might be against what you believe completely so if you understand what the show needs yeah then you're winning because if you're self aware then you know okay these are my strengths my weaknesses this is my presenter what is the mandate of the station the station wants us to do this okay how can mm. i make that happen mm. and um so i then after tibos i produced for bob mabena <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> the gem john pelman yeah, and yeah. so i applied the same thing i listened to bob i listened to what he liked i tried to make sure that i was always trying to make him feel good so when i gave him content he was receptive to that content mm. um and he trusted me um with the content so he would not push back as much and yeah. he'd be like okay clear knows what i like and so yeah, yeah. that's what i kind of i and, learned to do and through that you managed to to not only sit as a producer but to to find yourself dealing with content of the station yeah. right so uh now when you get to a position where I'd say you're the program manager or working with a program manager where you now have to look at different shows and different personalities and different presenters and different producers what do you tap into uh from your growth from YFM to up to where you are to um, do that kind of kind of It's job? never about me. Mm. All of the work that I'm doing is not about me. Um even though it was a dream job, it's the hardest job to do. Um and I I just realized that it radio is a you are a radio person or you're not you and I always found people that were curious hard working wanted to listen read more you know people that were curious about life observing people were really they ended up becoming really good radio people and that was who I was anyway um but having a passion to um have meaningful content I started out with just fun things at at Metro at Y and at Metro and as I was growing up I felt like you know what content can be fun and interesting but I also wanted to kind of I used to have this thing at Kai saying great programming saves lives it really does mm. um and I was like what am I doing in my own way to try and change how people feel react what am I teaching them mm. and so it was more than just a job it really was like a life purpose thing it sounds very oprah mm. but i really <laughs> felt i really felt that wow you know um it's great when listeners call into a station and be like i didn't know that and now you've yeah, changed my yeah, life yeah, yeah. or thank you so much for taking my call and investigating my story and you know uh, mm. people listen where we broadcast you and i people listen to radio for help mm. for assistance for guidance they rely on us right whereas in other territories they just it's purely entertainment mm, something to do when i'm not doing anything yes yeah. whereas we have kind of responsibility attached to the entertainment mm, so mm. i found purpose in that um and i think that was what i was trying to apply and inject into my presenters my programming team the sound engineers everyone in the station that your job is a responsibility it's not just um thing to pass the time I, I, yeah i like moving into that passion versus um purpose maybe um with commercial radio i mean with community stations community radio it's it's kind of direct that you're a community station of this community so you're kind of serving this small um um community in a setting of a commercial radio station how do we or should we still find 
um, the community element of it, to look at the audience as a community. Because commercial radio is very about the music you play, the presenters that are there, where there's trending and all of these cool things. How do we bring back the responsibility of commercial radio? Should we even? Yes, we should. And anyone who listens to 947 in the morning will know how when they do those calls to people in Alex or helping young boys, like Anela has been crying on radio a lot this year because they do amazing <laughs> stuff. That is great because it shows listeners who you are as a station, who, what your values are, what your principles are, um, and it endears them to you. They're like, you know what, these people don't just joke around and have fun. They actually are trying to, to better the world. And in a country like ours, it's even more important. But I feel like it's important for your listeners to feel like, wow, you know, I'm with the good guys. I'm listening to the good guys. I'm listening to people that are really doing great things. And they make me feel good about myself. Mm. They make me feel good about there's hope. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's hope for my country. And, you know, you feel like, sure, how am I going to help those people? Yeah, in Alex what today? am I doing? What am I doing? And yeah. so it might not be um, a hardcore, you must do something for your community. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the little features or those type of um, promotions that empower people are crucial on a mm. radio station, especially a commercial radio station. Yeah. We're going to take a few uh, questions, but before that, I'm going to just ask Claire this one question. People can start raising their hands if you have any, any question for Claire. Um, you're now back on the mic and back on the screen. Um, Claire Blanche, as I call it. You're on, <laughs> <laughs> you're on and you, you're on Classic FM. Given your life experiences, given where you are now in life, and given where radio is today compared to where it was then, why are you back? Are you anxious? Are you like what space are you in now as, as Claire behind the mic? So I got a call from Lyndon Johnson. Some of you might have been to his session earlier. Um, he heads up Classic 1027. He called me and he was like, Claire, I haven't been on air since Metro, mm -hmm. which was when? 1932. <laughs> um, and so he was like, please come back on air. And I'd been producing all this time. And I said, no, I'm not going to, you're crazy. I'm not going to be back on air. Because as somebody who was once a program manager, you think to yourself, I used to snoop other people. I used to guide other people. Now when a program manager is on air, you better be flawless, right? <laughs> you better not make a better mistake. Know you better do. know yeah, your yeah, yeah. story. And so he said, I'll give you time to think about it. He called me back two months later and um, the idea excited me to be back on air. I'm still insecure. Um, I still over prep. I still am nervous when I switch the mic on and I back announce um, and I do station ID, time check, you know, all those things. Um, I still, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm, I'm still nervous at it because I feel like now you got to know something about yourself. I know I'm a super producer. Hi. Mm. <laughs> but I know I'm not that I'm not I'm not where I want to be as a presenter. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's going to tell you these things. Mm. Fencer's not going to call you uh, Claire. <laughs> uh, those links, there. Those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of need to be self-aware about your strengths and your weaknesses. And I'm aware that at, as on air on radio, I'm still growing. Classic is for me like the best place for me it's a safe place to grow it's a clean slate they're rebranding they're growing it's exciting to be there mm -hmm. i don't know what the station's gonna look like or feel like in a year's time so i'm glad that i'm there had i gone into a bigger station kaya 
drive time, yeah. everyone would have crucified me. Because <laughs> right? they're expecting excellence. Thank you. You were busy creating. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're going to expect fresh from Claire. Yeah. You know? um, and I knew I'm not dead. I know I'm yeah, not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, what has helped is that if you are really good at radio, you'll be phenomenal at TV. But if you're really good at TV, it does not always translate back to radio. Yeah. And that's the fact of the matter. You know, yeah. that's the fact. Um, a lot of, I, I'll be the first person, even though I started on TV, mm. I'm the first person to raise my hand and say, TV people don't work on radio. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Which they is don't. Like, which is like a thing now. Um, which is a thing now. Radio. And everyone is like, yes, do I have to have lots of followers? To yeah. be on radio, yeah. and I'm like, no, yeah. you need to be good on radio to be on radio. Yeah. Um, so, but but sometimes we blame them for asking that when the powers that are running radio completely will do that. Completely, they just bring somebody because they have they have a lot of followers. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a question. Yeah? Okay. Looking, uh, listening to you, or listening to your story, Claire, what would you advise somebody who has gone through journalism school and they feel that they've been trained? And then they get to a radio station, they get to him, and he tells them that, no, you are not a radio person mm. after spending four years at varsity and so forth. And yet we have Claire, a scientist uh, who was a model and who is making it in radio. I think these are some of the disappointments that uh, some uh, radio and even TV personalities do face yes. uh, after having passed their A-levels and gone uh, to journalism school. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah, thank you for that question. I was in a position where I needed to, I could hire people, and so I would be sitting in interviews, and people would come with their qualifications, journalism qualifications, or even Boston Media House, number of top favorite. Um, and I would ask them on the spot, okay, cool. Um, we would give a practical, uh, kind of a practical test. Uh, if I gave you a story and you had to go do this, what would you do? Um, and so what we realized in the industry, the people that we come, that we get, that are qualified to do the work, and your qualification gives you the edge. It does give you the edge, but it's not everything. If your personality does not match the platform, you will not work. Um, because I get sent into places at Cop Lounge where people are shooting at each other. And guess what? I must walk towards the bullets. I must be like, okay, that's my cue. I must, I must get closer to there. I need to, want, I need to be okay in putting myself on the line. I must be a hungry, gregarious person outgoing. Whereas when somebody is timid, shy, uh, doesn't voice their opinion in an editorial meeting, we don't know what their personality is like. We don't even know what beat they want on the news. You know, are you women and children and disabled people? Or who are you? And so... Your degree and your qualification, get it, because it does push you over. But understand that you can't then just sit back and not try to develop the rest of your skill set. Because the thing is, everyone else, the majority of people I know that are successful in this business, I don't know if, it, how many people do you know that are successful in this business have a qualification in media? I mean, I'll tell you uh, to, to also answer Mike. Your, your, your question. <clears throat> to also answer your question is that, if you think about how a doctor cannot walk into a hospital and say, you know, I'm a doctor, can I get a job? And then say, no, we don't need you. Because before that qualification, the doctor actually went onto field and worked, right? Mm. So radio, there's a need for, if you are studying anything in, in, in broadcasting, 
that before you even get your qualification, they've made it surety that you've actually been uh, participated in, in mm. broadcasting, right? Right. Because you can't arrive with your certificate and say, okay, now I'm ready. And, and we must now trust that you can, because if you don't do the job, um, what did, why did we hire you? Did we say, no, we saw your CV that you worked here, you worked there. And the other important thing is myself, I worked 13 months with no salary when I started on radio. One, three. People will be like, ah, you're crazy. One month, they crazy. They must pay you. You must understand that this is your journey. It's not whoever's trying to hire you. It's not whoever. Once you succeed in this industry, you have succeeded. So if, if at any point you think so-and-so needs to make sure that I have a job, so-and-so needs to forget that, forget that, and understand that me here is, this is where I am, this is where I'm trying to get to, and I'm going to get there, whichever route that I need to take. You know, so there's that element. And I understand when people go to school and say, but look at that guy, he's got no qualification. What that person has is experience. Uh, what that person did initially in that career is to learn the work. And that's mm. what, that's what they, they always judge. Yeah, you the theory um, is great, but I can, uh, maybe I'll repeat the question if I can hear it. So we have, we have four the more mic. minutes, so okay. can we keep it brief, please? Hi, um, you touched on... Uh, um, the issue of followers and, and, and you know, people being hired because they're um, on TV and so on. Um, one, I think you should have been in that discussion um, that, that, that we had about open up the industry. Um, um, number two... <laughs> um, my question is, how do you measure the talent? I mean, coming from a former programming manager, and, and you being in your line of business, how do you guys measure talent in this time and in this day and age where people are being hired because they have 23,000 followers or 80,000 followers? Okay, so I hate the idea that people get hired because of that. Um, unfortunately, um, the powers that be make those bad decisions, so I do not endorse that. That's why I tell people TV people shouldn't be on radio just because they're on TV. That's crap, they're making bad radio. Um, you know what I mean? They, um, and it's about, I don't know how many, I've listened to thousands of demos. I've listened to so many people. There are people that are doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing. They back announce, they time check, they throw forward, they do the promotion and then ad break, right? Um, but it's difficult to quantify an X factor. It's difficult. You, the, the radio stations that you listen to and the shows you listen to, there's something that jovas you, you know what I mean? And that, I can't measure it. And so you will listen to thousands of demos and you ask people to do another demo, do another one. Because maybe um, they're nervous in that recording, maybe their true personality is not shining. Um, and the more somebody is themselves, the more somebody sparkles. I can't even describe it. That is how I measure it. If I have a reaction and then I'm like, okay, Fence, come listen to this. And I get him to listen to it. And if he gets the same feeling, then I'm like, okay, maybe something is happening here. Um, and those people are the ones that end up having longevity because usually they are authentically themselves. They're not trying to be something else. Uh, when you meet them in the street, you're like, hey, Glenn Lewis. Glenn Lewis is himself everywhere, all the time. All the time. Who you hear on the mic is who is the guy at the barbershop as well. So it's difficult to say how we measure it because... Um, some people have no qualification, but all of the X Factor, and they fly. Right. Um, Karabo uh, from Skukuni FM in Limpopo. I just have like one question for you. 
we know that uh, the media industry is cruel. Um, as as a woman from modeling into radio and being the content creator, did you ever come across uh, the issue of sexism, saying that no, she's a woman, she can't do that, no, um, you know, like uh, just turns out to being a show and does that. So, like, did you ever come across such issue of um, like sexism within the radio industry? Yes. yes. Next question. <laughs> Everywhere, all the time, every day, non-stop, today, yesterday, tomorrow, next year, non-stop. It's just like, have you ever experienced racism? It happens, Does they discriminate. Like, the only way, and I love what, I don't know who said it, somebody, unimportant said it, and then Oprah said it, and then I remembered when Oprah said it. And she spoke about the fact that, um, you know, the only, the only way that you, you can, like, fight against racism and sexism and all the isms and the discrimination is to be excellent. And in every single position I had, I, I needed to be excellent because I thought people are looking at me, they think I can't think. People are thinking I can't do the job. I need to earn my stripes. So I was the first one at work, the last one to leave. I was the one that got everything on time. I was never late. I was MVP wherever I was. And that was the thing that projected me to the next thing. Do you know what I mean? So be good at what you are today. Quick question before you leave. Yes. Why do you keep coming back to radio? Why radio? I can't not do radio. Radio gives me life. Radio is everything. Radio will never die. Radio is the thing. I, TV is nice. I'm cheating on radio with TV. Um, I'm married to radio. I don't even know what it is. I feel like it's because it has a real impact. It's real. Um, and I listen to radio now and my heart breaks because I feel like people are losing the essence of what radio can be and should be. Um, but if you know what it is, don't stop fighting for, for, for that, for the, the true essence of radio. I will never stop loving radio. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Uh, our time is up, unfortunately. While we look for the meaning of Mjovo inside, <laughs> we are going to end the say, session. I just want to say a very special thank you to Fence. Fence never speaks. He never, he never does these events. And so when I called him and I asked him, please facilitate my function, he, my, my session, he was like, I don't do these things. Um, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. I respect you so much. You're a super producer. Like, you rock my world. Thank you so much.